0: Coming today on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung. When I read my mother's name and I connect to that and the opportunity to live one extra day that she never got, there's no hitting the snooze button. There's no getting back into those warm and cozy sheets. I'm going to choose to be the best that I can be that one day with the gift I've been given.
1: So the big questions are these. Let's face it, we're not negotiating just to buy a car or for a pay raise. We are negotiating for living in every aspect of our lives. How can we do that powerfully, successfully, and victoriously? Those are the questions, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Rebecca Zung, and welcome to the time where you negotiate your best life. Welcome to another episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. I am so really excited today to introduce you to Ben Newman. He is a renowned speaker, entrepreneur, philanthropist, but he he really, what he does is he coaches some of the top performers, the top athletes, the top people on the planet. And when I say that, I am not kidding. I mean, some people say that, but- they don't really. I mean, he <laughs> actually does. <laughs> I mean, he actually does. And I am really, really excited to dive in with him today because he really motivates and and really knows his stuff uh, about how to get the best out of people, the best, the the really get you to the top performance of yourself. And you you will want to listen to this all the way to the end. If you're feeling like you don't know where to start, you don't know, you're feeling like you want to give up. You're feeling like you just don't, you're, you're, you, you don't know how to begin. As far as feeling motivated, this is the episode for you. So hang on to the edge of your seat, get your pen and paper out, and get ready to really have real nuggets on what to do to get off your butt and really get somewhere in your life so that you know... By the end of this episode, you're going to know what to do to be inspired, be motivated, and actually have a plan for your life. I'm so excited to welcome you, Ben Newman.
0: Rebecca, thank you so much. Thank you for that amazing introduction. And we have so many mutual friends. I had so much excitement, enthusiasm to spend time with you and all your listeners. And so I'm ready to go.
1: Thank you. and and. I am really really excited to talk to you because it's not like you had some kind of cushy life where you could go you know it's I had a nice life it was really easy for me and I'm going to tell you how to win at your everyday life but you know what it was really easy for me so I can give you advice, but I don't really know what it was like, right? I mean, you did not have an easy life.
0: No, I, I, you know, a lot of my mentors and coaches, and I I definitely want to preface this because I am so far from being finished learning and identifying what my best is. I still have two coaches. I'm reading books every single day. And many of my mentors call me what people refer to as an old soul. I had to grow up so fast and face so much challenge and adversity that it almost elevated me beyond my actual number of years on this planet and, you know, had me in enough therapist chairs that you could probably call me doctor. So it's a blessing that I have the opportunity to help others, but I'm still trying to become my very best myself, Rebecca.
1: Yeah. So, okay. Your parents, they divorced when you were how old?
0: Six months old.
1: Six months old. And then your mother, she dies when you were...
0: 11 days before my eighth birthday from a rare muscle disease that many people don't know much about. It's called amyloidosis. And she was diagnosed in 1983, 1986, 11 days before my eighth birthday, she passed and fast forward all the way to today. Our family is still raising money to fight, to find the long-term cure. You can, uh, Chemotherapy now allows people to live with amyloidosis, but there's still no cure for the disease all these years later. So, you know, my mother was given two to four years to live, told she was only the second woman under 40 years old that had ever seen or heard of having the disease. But Rebecca, she had this passion for life that she instilled in me. And, you know, she'd come to the dinner table every single day with an IV stand when we had 24 hour Mm. nursing care in the house to ask me how my day was at school. Mm. You know, she taught me what it means to embrace every day to put one foot in front of the other when you don't feel like doing it and to make it more about somebody else and to serve than to make it about yourself. My mother was an amazing woman and uh, I still fight to keep her story going every day.
1: Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's so tough. So you're raised by your father, basically. And yeah, he,
0: he, he, moves, he moves back into the house and uh, I made you a promise. You could take this wherever you want it to go because I feel like there's so many ways that you can help me and I'm willing to do this with your audience. But my father moved back in and for the same reasons that my mother divorced my father were the reasons why I had challenges with him. Well, when that's your last living parent, you don't get to divorce your dad. So I had to live with those challenges, and I had to live through that adversity. And Rebecca, as as I know you're dealing with every single day with all the amazing work that you do, I mean, it was painful. It was hard. You know, I often say I wish my dad would have hit me because the bruises would have gone away, but some of the pain that mentally he's put me through, I've gotten much better and stronger through it now as a 45-year-old man, but there's still so many things that pain and haunt me to this day. Yeah. Did you have brothers and sisters <clears throat> i i did um, you know I, I have a uh, an older brother and you know, after my father's loss, there's been strain and pain. And, uh, you know, it's just life is hard. And I'm I'm glad you're asking these questions because I think sometimes people think that it's all perfect or they see me on a sideline on TV or they see me going to speak for Google and oh, everything's great. Like, no, it's not. (laughs) I'm still working on me. I'm trying to be my best, but life is full of challenges. And every time I'm faced with a challenge, I feel like I find greater strength within me To realize not only how I can be a better father, how I could be a better husband, how I could be a better coach, but it makes us just better in our lives the more pain that we go through. And oftentimes it's a tough road, um, but I I wouldn't change anything that I've been through.
1: So, I I mean, I often say the very first negotiation that we have to do is with our own self in the morning for our own self-worth. What would you say to that?
0: I would say you are absol- you absolutely nailed it. You know, I, I've had a show called The Burn, and I've, I've been doing this for over 18 years. And you kind of joked about it earlier. There's so many people in this world that we live in that claim they do the kind of work that you do or that I do. And then you try to peel it back, and you're like, well, what, what exactly do they do? And so I've been doing this for over 18 years. And one of the things that I found consistent over high performers in business and in sports in that time is that why and purpose is actually not enough. They're very important, incredibly important, but there's actually this underlying burn that lies inside of you. And it's this burn that ignites your why and purpose that then causes you to be disciplined on the days you don't want to do it. And especially after you win. And so for me, that negotiation with myself starts with me taking out a pen putting it to paper and writing down that burn every single day. And the moment that I connect to it, and actually when I put it to paper, it's about the third time I've connected to it because my burn is the name of my alarm clock. It's reading my mother's name, Janet Fishman, Newman. When I read my mother's name and I connect to that and the opportunity to live one extra day that she never got, Mm -hmm. there's no hitting the snooze button. There's no getting back into those warm and cozy sheets. I'm going to choose to be the best that I can be that one day with the gift I've been given.
1: Mm, mm And And what is it about having that extra day that is that burn for you? Tell me more about that.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I, I mentioned that my mother passed 11 days before my eighth birthday. My mother passed at 38 years old. Mm. So here I am. My mother passed 11 days before my eighth birthday. That's all I had with my mom was not even Eight years. She was 38. I'm 45. That means there's seven extra years that I've been given that my mother never even had. Mm -hmm. And when I think of that perspective, there's, there's no wasting days for me. There's no making excuses. Doesn't mean that every day I wake up and I want to do it. Sometimes I have to connect a little deeper. Sometimes that negotiation to get going, it takes a little bit longer, but there's no wasting days. You know my son Isaac will turn 16 in March that's almost twice, it made me cry. Um, it's almost twice the amount of time that my mother ever had with me. You know my daughter's 13 years old. I mean I think about these things that that for me there's no there's no getting time back so I better take advantage of the time that I'm given and that's one of the things that I do my very best every day to really connect people to is their perspective and what drives them and what their burn is. Because for everybody, it's different so that they fight to be the best in their lives one day at a time.
1: hmm. <clears throat> I, I want to know more about the burn is the burn. T- tell me more about the burn.
0: Yeah. So the burn is different for everybody. So for me, that burn comes from pain and challenge. And so a lot of times people say, oh, my why and my purpose is my family. And and, and I think that's wonderful. So we can use that as an example. It's my family or to provide or to be an example for my kids. So that's your why I'm going to fight to be my best. But unless you understand what causes you to not waste that day, to fight when you don't want to, that's that underlying burn and so it either comes from pain which provides perspective like mine does first many individuals they may say well my parents made great sacrifice and because of their sacrifice i will not waste a day or maybe there's little eyes that are watching you in your home every day and you're making sacrifice for them and when you think about Being that example for them, that is that extra for you. And so that burn comes from many different ways, many different forms. Everybody has it, but there has to be a willingness to dig down deep, find it, and then connect to it every day. Mm -hmm.
1: I I think it has to do also with knowing that you are living out the authentic and highest purpose that... God has put you on this planet for, for your, the intention for your soul. Mm. That's what I believe that you are carrying out that highest, truest intention God has for you, for your soul.
0: And I, I I believe that wholeheartedly and deep into my soul. One of our, mutual friends, the Gordons, Catherine and John Gordon, just amazing human beings. John Gordon led me to Christ in 2008. And one of the daily verses that I read every single day since he led me to Christ, literally in February of 2008, I was born Jewish, got bar mitzvah. So you, you hang with me. I'm doing same, same with John. <laughs> you'll, you'll be okay. Exactly. Same with John. But I read James 1, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial for when he has stood the test, you will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. So for me, this world of challenge and pain, or for your listeners, those going through challenge and pain right now, you don't become weak and succumb to it. Step into it. Lean into it. God's going to provide you the strength, and you will be rewarded if you stay committed.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, I think so, too. But I do believe that, he, as rumi the philosopher said the wound is the place where the light enters you
0: mm, that's powerful so powerful yes. tell me tell me more about how you interpret that
1: i just believe that uh, out of uh, our pain is, is born our purpose
0: mm. Yes. It's similar to when people hear, you know, they say, oh, I'm so sorry, you know, that you went through this. And I, I always appreciate those sentiments, but I wouldn't be the man that I am today. If I didn't go through the pain that I had to go through with my mom, I wouldn't be the man that I am today. If I had to go through the pain that I went through with my father and all of those wounds, and they have provided amazing strength. And I can only hope and pray that that provides a strong example for my kids to always keep fighting when the world tells you that you're not good enough or somebody at school tells you you're not good enough or the media tells you that the opportunity is not right for you or politics tells you whatever politics is trying to tell us these days. I'm a, I'm a big believer in that.
1: Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store, from accepting payments to managing inventory. Shopify Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or Shopify's POS Go Mobile device for a battle tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at Shopify.com slash best life. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com com slash bestlife to take your retail business to the next level today. shopify.com slash bestlife. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the hardest thing for you to take time to do in a day? I know for me, it's anything related to self-care, yet I know it's something I need to do the most. Taking that time to work on my mental health is so important and that's why I know so many years ago that therapy was one of the best decisions of my life. It's truly been a game changer for me. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, I seriously encourage you to try BetterHelp. It's it's entirely online, it's designed to be convenient, it's flexible, and it's suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire. You get matched with a therapist that's perfect for you and you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Just visit BetterHelp.com slash negotiate today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com negotiate. So tell me more about your father. And the narcissistic traits that he had.
0: Well, nothing. Um, my uh, my greatest joy as a as a father, me as a father, would be for my children. To have all the success whatever success looks like to them and be happy and be loved and be amazing parents and amazing human beings and just be wildly successful and um that's what i've always thought fatherhood parenting is supposed to be and i unfortunately and i know it's probably the same for many of your listeners i, I grew up in a house where nothing was ever good enough i was always challenged. Uh, it, it it was, it was just, it was never enough. It it was, it was the wounds. It was being called names. It was being beaten with words, which as I shared, I would have rather it been fist because the bruises would have gone away, but the words and the wounds have been with me forever. And just nothing was ever good enough for my father. You know, it it was, Hey, is that a new watch that you have? Or there's, are those new glasses? Why is your house fully furnished? I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, Isn't your house supposed to be fully furnished? Like, wouldn't you want your child to marry an amazing woman to where they have this great life together and they can afford to fully furnish their house without asking you for money to furnish the house? Like, isn't that the goal to raise kids that are successful and can make their own way? And that wasn't it. And uh, one thing I'd I'd love to hear through your experience, if you've ever found it, maybe other people listening have struggled with it. I've never understood, Rebecca. Rebecca. Why why would he not want me to have a furnished house? I I always believed like that his greatest day would have been the phone call I would have made to say, Dad, we bought this house and I'm out of money. I, I need a kitchen table. Will you help me? I, I need plates and forks. Like, will you help me? And I've just I've never understood that, Rebecca, why he wanted that control, why he wanted that power, why he wanted that command over my life.
1: Because Narcissists experience a form of brain damage that is trauma during their childhood. And it's, uh, this is something that I learned during my research when I was writing my book that I was, I always say, tell people when I'm speaking now that when I come to this part of my talk, you need to hang on to your hat because this is absolutely going to blow your mind and change your life when you learn this because it did mine.
0: Mm.
1: And that is that when we as humans deal with, and I'm assuming that he probably had a traumatic childhood as well because that's, what happens to us in childhood. or or, or As humans, when we experience stress, our bodies go into a stress response called fight or flight. And what happens is that our bodies then emit neurotransmitters called adrenaline, cortisol, that sort of thing, among others. But it's the adrenaline and cortisol that causes damage to the limbic system part of the brain. And the limbic system part of the brain is responsible for emotions. And when that happens continuously in childhood, there can actually be a lag and development between the prefrontal cortex part of the brain, which is responsible for thinking and judgment, and the emotional center part of the brain, which is the limbic system part of the brain, which then experiences arrested development. And so what happens with narcissists is then as they grow up and they become adults, while they can function normally and even pretty well and become charming and responsible and all of that as adults in all of the rest of their lives, there is this lag in development. They're really actually five year olds or eight year olds or whatever it is emotionally, and they also have a part of their brain that causes them to have have something called splitting, which means that they have these hair triggers. So if something causes them to feel triggered in some Ooh. way that they will they 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 will immediately go into this rage. They immediately go into from black to white. You're either for them or against them. You're either my friend or my enemy. And when that happens, that limbic system takes over and they are no longer that thinking part of the brain is no longer in control. It's the limbic system that's now back in control. It's like a two year old having a tantrum. It's like now this part is in control and it it's it's they don't even realize what's going on and it can cause narcissistic rage or it can cause you know or they can just be angry or they can just be whatever or they can just be jealous they can just be but that part isn't now in control and it it causes narcissistic blindness it can cause whatever but that part is now in control And when that happens, they actually don't even necessarily remember what they did or said during that period of time. And they will take themselves down to take you down. That's the part that's really scary. And you cannot be communicating with them in a reasonable way during that period of time. I mean, you certainly can't Negotiate with them during that period of time. I mean, you can't litigate with them reasonably normally. You can't, you know, that's the difficulty. And that's the thing that 99% of the population does not understand. And because we all walk around assuming that people are reasonable, we make the assumption that people are reasonable. But It's it's literally a damaged part of their brain. It's like cortisol got in there and damaged that part of their brain. And so when that trigger happens, it could be an eye roll, it could be a perceived body language, it could be a perceived tone of voice. Anything that triggers that, somebody slighted them in some way. Then that triggers that. And then the limbic system takes over, and that's in control. And then they don't even necessarily remember what took place during that period of time.
0: You literally and just, you, you, you described my childhood.
1: Yes, and so that's why you cannot take it personally. You cannot take it personally. And so what I help people with is, first of all, that part of it. Second of all, how to communicate with them, how to deal with them, how to negotiate with them. Literally scripts, I give people email templates, all everything that they need. There's a reason I have 50 million views on my YouTube channel in the last four years. There's a reason that I've sold thousands and thousands of my programs. It works. What I teach works. But the Rebecca, very first I needed
0: thing, I needed slay the bully when I was 13, 14, 15 years yes, old. Yes,
1: <laughs> but what, the very first thing I want you to know is that you cannot take this personally. And it's literally uh, like you got to think of it as like autism or you got to think of it as like diabetes or whatever it is. But you cannot take this personally.
0: Mm. You know, I, I know you're saying those words to me, if I can, if I can do something for your listeners, um, cause I know your listeners and the reason why you have over 50 million views and you've sold so many books and you're helping people every single day with the amazing work that you're doing. I know you're saying those words to me. My father's gone. I, I want to just take a moment for your listeners and say, I hope you're listening to those words for you. You see, because I really didn't slay the bully until the day before my father died. Rebecca, I fed my father breakfast when he was on his deathbed on a Friday morning. I flew out to go to meet uh, the Kansas State Wildcats, where I've been the performance coach with their head coach for the last nine. I've been with that head coach for nine years. And I fly out to be with the team, and it was the first quarter of the game the next day. I didn't realize it was going to be that fast. My dad ends up passing away in the first quarter. My entire life, all I ever wanted to hear was my father say, I'm proud of you. It's all I ever wanted. A year before I fed him that breakfast, I went into the hospital room with him, cleared my mind, told him everything I needed to say. And I said, dad, all I've ever wanted to do is make you proud. And Rebecca, I thought it was going to be this big moment where he was going to look at me and say, I am proud of you, Ben. And Rebecca, he said nothing. (laughs) So I literally, I, I walk out And I remember I called my wife, I call Amy and I'm just like, what is wrong with him? Like I, here was this, like we're saying all the final things that need to be said. He makes it another year. Well, that day when I fed him breakfast, he looked at me in between bites of oatmeal and a sip of coffee. And he said, Ben, I'm very proud of you. And I walked out of the hospital room that day, Rebecca, and it was the strangest feeling I'd waited to hear it all those years And I walked out and I called Amy again. And this time I told her I actually didn't need to hear it. And I gave my dad my power for so long. And I just, I'm now taking the advice you gave me that I wish I had a long time ago. And I want your listeners who I know they listen to you and I hear But for somebody who just hasn't taken the advice you just gave, please listen because I wish I would have slayed that bully 10 years earlier. I wish I would have slayed that bully and my father 20 years earlier. I wish I would have slayed him 30 years earlier. I wish I would have known that, and I didn't have the strength, Rebecca. And I'm fine, a big, strong guy that looks like he could play in the NFL. I keep in shape in order to work with the guys that I work with, but – I'm a broken soul, too. There's things that I work on. And I'm here to tell you I didn't have the strength. I didn't have the power. I gave him my power. And I don't want that to happen to any of you. So that's a double message. I passed Rebecca's message to me on to you. And I hope many of you listen to it because I think it it needs to be heard.
1: Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors and take 20,000 breaths a day. And according to the EPA, Indoor air is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air, and in some cases, up to a hundred times more polluted. And data shows that air pollution is responsible for up to 7 million premature deaths globally. I know for myself, my family has struggled with asthma, and so clean air is so important to us. And that's why having a good air purifier is so important to us. So what's the solution? introducing an air purifier that has captured the attention of media outlets such as CNN, Money, ABC, and more, which is Air Doctor, which filters out 99% of air contaminants such as pollen, pet dander, dust mites, mold, and all sorts of things. And it even features a Whisperjet fan, which is quieter than all sorts of air purifiers. Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com and use the promo code. Code, your best life. And depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to 300 dollars off. Exclusive to podcast customers. You will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer by going to A-I-R-D-O-C T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use the promo code your best life. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Forget the grocery store. You can count on HelloFresh to make everything easy, fun, and affordable, and that's why it's America's number one meal kit. Whether your resolution is to save money, eat better, stress less, HelloFresh is here to help you do all three, and that's why I love their fresh ingredients. They're chef crafted recipes, and you'll love the, the delivery right to your doorstep. Everything is farm fresh. Everything comes right pre-packaged to your doorstep. No hassle, no wasted food, and no boredom. You get 45 different recipes to choose from weekly, and you can even add on your market items. They choose you can whatever lifestyle you have, keto, whatever it is. You can choose from all of that as well. And what I love is that when it's time for dinner, you just go right to the refrigerator. You can pull it out. And if your spouse likes something different than you like, you can just choose whatever they like, and then you can choose whatever you love. And that's what the, the really great thing is. And especially if you're both working, it's super easy, super convenient, and really, really healthy. So go to HelloFresh.com slash negotiate free and use the code negotiate free for free breakfast for life one breakfast item per box while subscription is active that's free breakfast for life at hellofresh.com slash negotiate free with the code negotiate free america's number one meal kit Absolutely, and it's, you know, we all have our own versions of that. I mean, you know, my mom was an alcoholic when I was growing up as well, and I, I I've had my own struggles. I was bullied as a kid myself, and I, I you know, we've all had our own struggles. We've all had them. You, nobody gets out of this life with a free pass. We just don't. Nobody does. That's part of life, and you know, I remember hearing Wayne Dyer talking about his speeches, and and he, he just decided he wasn't gonna hustle for his worthiness anymore. He said, what am I going to do? Chase every person home after he did a speech and try to convince them that he did a good job. If, it, if they didn't like it, I mean, mm. what are you going to do? You're not going to do that. You got to do it for yourself. And and it's it's really hard to do that sometimes, right? But I always joke that I can never leave my thoughts unsupervised, right? Because I gotta, you know, the input has to be good all the time. You gotta you've you've got to have that discipline to do it and and that's one of the things that you talk about a lot is having that discipline, showing up, having that mental training. And that is what is so, so important. And I have it too. I mean, making sure that you decide. I mean, I talk about the power of a decision and the word decide, the root of the word decide, is "side" to kill, to cut off. There Mm. cannot be any other choice. You can't say, well, maybe I'll try. No, you can't do that. And that's one of the things that you talk about too. And I really want to get to some of your the powerful things that you do it to motivate people because, and I, I I love that we started off with this because I think it's really important that we talked about the difficulties that you've had because you didn't get a free pass. And and you use that to create the standard and the four Ps and all, all of the things that you do, you have now to get people to show up as the best versions of themselves to coach teams like Alabama. Oh, you know, they've won a few things. Right. I mean, (laughs) right. I mean,
0: you know, it's, it's interesting that you say this because, you know, I have the opportunity to meet so many amazing individuals like yourself who have taken on this work and help people understand I mean, literally hearing every word that you said, you literally were describing my father. I mean, if everybody could see the pictures that were going through my head to being yelled at on the couch, to being yelled at in the parking lot after a basketball game when I had my own car, like where you were taking me, it was amazing. But here's one thing I've always said, and I know I say, gosh, I wish I would have had the book 30 years ago, 20 years ago to could have slayed the bully, but maybe I wasn't supposed to. Maybe I, I was supposed to, take all that pain so that I could provide strength for others to work through theirs. And so a lot of times I look at my story and people say, gosh, wouldn't you want to have changed that? But that's part of where my discipline comes from. It was this double-edged sword that nothing was ever good enough for my father. And I was really blessed Rebecca, because I had coaches and mentors and individuals that I would seek their love and I would seek their support because I wasn't getting it at home And so I was blessed to have this balance of both to where you get verbally beaten to where you want to be your best, but then you get this love and support to realize I'm just going to take the positive side of fighting to be the best me. And so I had to get all the wounds in order to be able to find the strength. And so I I don't think I would change any of it, even losing my mom. I wish I could have just one more hug and one more kiss, but you know, my, my mother, and it's a whole nother episode that we could do my My mother had to pass so that other people could live. We recently did an episode on our show where I met somebody who's receiving chemotherapy and living with amyloidosis. And in 2008, when I spoke at the Boston Medical Center, my mother's old doctor said her case of amyloidosis was one of the ones they studied to find out that chemotherapy allows people to live. So my mother had to die so that people could live. And so I think sometimes people want the pain to go away, but that's why a lot of times I say you have to lean into that pain. You have to allow that pain to create your standards, to create your best life, to create your disciplines. Because the reality is you can't change it. I can't go back and change any of it. It is what it is. I might as well show up and be my best one day at a time.
1: Absolutely. And as I said, your pain is what turned into your purpose. And if had you not gone through that, you wouldn't be changing lives. You wouldn't be making the impact that you are.
0: Well, I, pre- I appreciate uh, I appreciate your words and you saying that.
1: Yeah. So I w- I I know we don't have a whole lot of time left, but I really want to get to some of the things that you use to motivate people. Some of the the powerful tools that you use to teach people. So if we could let's talk about some of the tools that you teach. Just if we could walk through some of the training, some of the the
0: tools that you use. So I'm I'm gonna do something that I I have never done before. And so this is going to be a moment. And a lot of times I'd say all right, let's cut, let's take this out. I wanna do something fun if you're down with it. Okay. I'm down. So In a football game, so I want everybody to listen to this. So those of you that like football or don't like, if you like football, you know what an audible is. The quarterback comes up, he sees the defense, and the defense, they know the play he's going to run, so he calls an audible. It's a different play. Okay? So people who love football, they know an audible. People who don't, you just learn what an audible is. When the quarterback calls up and starts yelling all this stuff, Rebecca and I had planned on doing what we call a podcast swap. To where she was going to interview me, I was going to interview her. Rebecca, if you're open to it, I think this episode right here, I'm just going to film a special intro and we're going to intro you because I think you've already highlighted so many, like taking me with my father. I want to give your audience more. I don't think we can recreate what we've already done. So I think it'd be fun to call this Audible and say, hey, we're turning this into a dual episode. So for those of you listening to Rebecca's show, we're going to keep it going. And those of you that are listening to the burn now, you just figured out this has been a special dual episode for Rebecca and I. So if you're cool, then I think we just keep rolling and give people more of ways that we can help each other. Because you keep highlighting so many things. Hopefully, I've already sold hundreds more copies of Slay the Bully by saying I needed the book. I, I, think, so I think we keep perfect. going. What do you think? I
1: think that that's a great idea because I'm like I'm trying to figure out how do we like. Cut this, and I think that that is a great idea. I think that's a fantastic idea. Yes, I love it. I love I know it.
0: Our editing and teams are going to be like, okay, that was pretty cool. We've never seen that done before. So for the first time in podcast history, forget the swap. We're turning this into a double episode.
1: I think that makes perfect sense. And you know, I grew up going to Redskins games myself, so you know, I, I love football.
0: Well, the first there's a Redskins jersey. Will Compton was the first NFL player I ever worked with, and so I went to Redskins camps five years in a row first NFL player ever so now uh, you know now the commanders you know not the Redskins I, I know <laughs> I
1: know I can't uh, I can't deal with that myself personally I we used to like in elementary school used to go oh we think Joe Theismann's cute <laughs> I remember Joe Theismann but
0: <laughs> absolutely mm-hmm. well let's keep yeah. rolling
1: Coming up, more on Negotiate Your Best Life with
0: Rebecca Zong.
1: The very first part of S.L.A.Y. Is, is S, strategy. And in order to win, you have to have a strategy. And the first part of strategy is creating that vision. Are you struggling with a narcissist in your life, whether it's a family member, a friend, a business partner, a soon-to-be X, whoever it is, are you ready to shift that power dynamic, but you're just feeling like you cannot win, like everybody is believing their lies, and you're just feeling like there's just no way that you can shift that power dynamic, I've got a brand new masterclass for you. I'm sharing all my secrets and so that you can finally take back your power and break free from this hell emotionally, physically, and spiritually spiritually. I've never done this free masterclass before. Go to break free from hell and sign up. Come be with me and get my secrets so that you can finally take back your power and break free. Break free from hell and let's do this. Take a listen to our archive where you can listen to more episodes that show you the path to how to negotiate your best life. Their apologies are completely meaningless. And you should, you know, definitely take them with a grain of salt because it's a lie that they want you to believe that's just crap, right? Narcissists are liars. That's what they are.
0: And now we return to today's show.
1: So if you could give us some pointers on the standard and because I think that that's it's it's really easy to remember and it's easy to apply you know some of the some of your tips from
0: yeah. <clears throat> So I, I think one of the things in, in you know, and, and I think the beauty of your work, as long as you've been doing it, the success that you had, where you've been featured on Forbes and Ed Milet's show and Dr. Drew, I mean, you're at like the highest level of expert. And so I think it's just amazing the work that you've done. And so when you have that voice to speak with, there's just a different listening because it comes with substance that can actually change somebody's life. And I've been blessed. I feel like you probably feel the same way, whether it be in a courtroom or, you know, whether it be through now your research that you're just exposed to so many ways to learn. And I just feel blessed that I keep having these amazing relationships with people who make me better, but it gives you this amazing research. And so I look back after writing a handful of books and I said, I think I need to write a book about the standard because, you know, you you turn on an interview after somebody wins a championship that, Oh, the standard, the standard, but like nobody broke down. Like, what does that mean? And so I wrote the book, the standard to help people break down and understand the importance of having standards in your life. So it's not just something that you say, I have standards. It's a manner in which you live your life. You scrutinize your behaviors, you reverse engineer your past success and say, what made me successful And then my standards are the things that I can replicate, repeat, and drive discipline to, to not only continue to have that success again, but to have continual peak performance and drive even higher levels of success because you don't get seduced by success when you have it. So we broke down what the standard is and what the standard isn't in the book. And on page 24 in the book, One principle that people have loved and you mentioned it is what I call the four P's of the standard and the four P's of the standard are as follows. It's the problem, the planning, the performance and the payoff. So I'm a big believer. I'm one of those coaches who I cut it to you straight. The pain and challenge I've been through. I don't want to sugarcoat it. Act like we're going to ride around on unicorns and slide down rainbows after our time together today. Like it's real life. You're either in the middle of a problem right now, you're either just coming out of a problem, you're about to walk into a problem, or you're about to create what oftentimes is the biggest problem we create, which is your winning. And a lot of people say, how is my winning a problem? Because most people, when they win, they stop doing what caused them to win, which actually creates the biggest problem you can have. And then you question, why did I stop having success? So I believe every day, if you take two minutes to go through these four P's, then you will have the opportunity to identify that problem. And once you, so for those of you that are winning at a high level right now, walk me through this. Okay. So you're winning right now. You just had the best month ever, the best January you ever could have had. That might be a problem. So how do we offset the problem? You wake up and you say, I've been winning at such a high level. What do I need to do today to keep winning And winning is not the result. Winning is the behavior. And then the byproduct of great behavior and discipline is the result. So then you plan out. If I do these three things, one, two, and three, I will keep the momentum going and I'll win. So that's the planning piece. Then the third P is the performance. Very simple, Rebecca. Just do what you say you're going to do. If you know what you need to do and you do it, that's the performance piece. And that's what most people miss. They know what they need to do, and for some reason they choose to not do it. Well, but January was so big, I don't want to go through the challenge and adversity. I don't want to step into harm's way. I don't want to have negativity and rejection. I just, I, I just, today, I'm just not going to do it. And if you forget the performance piece, you're really creating a problem then. And so you follow through with the action, do what you say you're going to do, and then you get a payoff. And I always share in business and in sports, when you get the payoff, don't stop. Don't be seduced by success. Recognize that the payoff is confirmation that the process is working. The payoff is confirmations that your standards are causing you to show up and win in your life. So why wouldn't you want to win more? So it's simple. Every day, just keep this cycle going and wake up and connect to those four Ps, the problem, the planning, the performance, and the payoff. And it'll drive continued success and winning.
1: Mm. You know what I love about it? is that I think that the way that people win, and I say this all the time, is that they have to have a context. And most people, I think 90%, and I'm just throwing a statistic out there, they don't have a context, they don't have a future context from which they operate. I think most people are just dealing with the fires of the day. And so therefore, they're operating from a past context all the time instead of having a future context that's pulling them, that they're being pulled toward. Does that make mm. sense?
0: It, it It does. And whenever people struggle with that, you know, you could almost refer to it as vision or an unclear path of where I want to go. I've asked this question for years. I love asking people who say I don't I don't know what I want. I don't know where I want to go. It's just unclear, it's foggy. Grab your future and bring it to today. Grab your future and bring it to today. Mm-hmm. And somebody that's going to get people talking. Nobody's going to say I want absolutely nothing for my future. And you know the easy thing, I can't see anything. It's cloudy. But just encourage people, grab your future and bring it to today. What? Tell me one thing that you would want. Oh, I would love to be an amazing mother. I would love to be, own my own company. I would love to do X. I'd love to do Y. I'd love to do Z. And then just get people to talk. And I think the more that you ask people questions and engage them and get them to talk and speak and become visual and share what they want, then it's easier to then... Drive an understanding to what it takes for them to achieve those things, because all success happens one day at a time. You know you don't you don't play all four quarters of a football game in the first quarter. You play one play at a time for every play in order to complete sixty minutes of playing, and sometimes you go into overtime. But you don't play the whole game in the first quarter. And in life, you don't get to have the entire year in one day. You get it one day at a time. And so I always encourage people, Let's get as clear as we can. Or sometimes our job is to help people bring them to that clarity to then reverse engineer the behaviors that will cause them to win every day.
1: Right, and this is why I'm actually glad that we decided to do our, our our swap here like this, because for me, with my sleigh, with my sleigh strategy, the very first part of sleigh is is S strategy, and in order to win, you have to have a strategy. And mm. the first part of strategy is creating that vision, creating that, where is it that I'm going? And you don't have to have this as a formal negotiation. This is actually part of life as well. Where am I going? What am I doing? Where? Uh, so many times when you're dealing with a narcissist or a high conflict personality, all you can do a lot of times is feel like ah, I'm, I'm, this person's in my face, like as this thirteen year old kid, right? This person's in my face. This guy's in my face all the time. I'm in defensive mode all the time. You're not thinking about what do I want for myself. <laughs> all I can think about is surviving, mm. and and that's what happens with most people. And so when. They come to me, which, you know, I don't do a, a lot of one on one coaching, but even in my certification program now, because I certify coaches, I tell them when you're coaching people, get them to tell you what is it that they want from their life? Where is it they want to mm-hmm. go? Because a lot of times they don't know. Get them to visualize it, then the more specific that they can be. Then it now they're being drawn toward that future. The more specific they can be, the better it is. well, where do where do I want to be a year from now? Well, I want to live in this house and I want to be by the ocean and I want to be divorced, or I want to have a better boss or I want to have start a business, and this is what I want it to look like, and I want to be free from this person. Okay, great. Let's get you there how are we going to get there
0: now? What I I love about that is you're helping people bring clarity to what they want, which then from a coaching perspective allows you to say, okay, what do we need to change in your environment today? What do we need to change in your behaviors today? What are the things that you've actually put in your way in your environment that are keeping you from having those things you say that you want? Because everybody would say, I want to live to the standard, but you can't say it. You got to do it. So if there's something in your environment that's keeping you from doing it, you got to you got clear that obstacle out of the way. Exactly. And that's what I love about your process is that it causes people to find that clarity, to almost have that empowerment to say, I'm going to get those obstacles out of my way because I know where I'm going.
1: Exactly. But let's figure out where you were going first, because it's like a GPS. You're not going to just get in your car and say, let's just drive and hope you get there. Right. You you got to get in your car and plug it into the GPS and then go
0: and then so take us to the L. Take us to the L.
1: Yes. Well, once you get your in your car, then, you know, you, you don't hope that you're going to get from L.A. to San Diego. You know, you're going to go from L.A. to San Diego mm. once the GPS is plugged in. You don't go. Oh my gosh! I think I might end up in San Francisco. I might end up dead on the side of the road. You don't think that. You believe you're going to go. You believe with all your heart you're going to get there. You know you're going to get there. I mean, you pack your suitcase. You start imagining yourself there. You you start planning your activities. Once you're going to get there, you meet up. But you know you're going to meet up with friends. You start thinking about what you're going to wear. That's where your mind starts going. And that's how you start manifesting that, right? Mm-hmm. And and then you got to start taking the steps. You got to start executing. Execution is key. If you don't start actually doing then it, you know, you're not going to get there, right? So making actu- actual plan steps then doing. Then the next thing is Leverage, creating that leverage. So the leverage is always going to be when you're dealing with a narcissist, looking at narcissistic supply. All narcissists are driven by narcissistic supply. What is it that feeds their ego? So all narcissists feel totally and completely empty inside. They are completely shame-based individuals. They feel the most pain, the most shame of All people. They're completely fear based individuals and they have, they are the most scarcity based individuals. So all of their feeling of value has to come from what we call narcissistic supply, but there's two forms of narcissistic supply. It's either image, image based, which is going to be Anything with related to image, so it could be big houses, money, cars, good job, the new girlfriend, whatever is related to image, and it could be ill-gotten or not. They don't really care, but it, it it has to do with image. And then the second form of narcissistic supply, oh, so diamond level supply. They will protect and defend this at any cost, even at the cost of their children, they don't care. The second thing is the the what I call coal level supply, which is pushing other people down to make themselves feel good. So that's the degrading, the debasing, the passive aggressive behavior, but it could also be victim based. It could also be you know, poor me, guilt tripping, that sort of thing as well. But it's, it's all based around feeding this ego. Now, how do you create leverage? You create leverage by threatening a source of supply that's more important for them to keep than the supply that they get from jerking you around. The myth is that narcissists just want to win. That's the myth. Everybody thinks narcissists just want to win. That's the problem. Narcissists do want to win, but they also want to continue to lead you around, make you miserable, and keep you on their string. And that's Mm. why they continuously move goalposts in negotiations.
0: And that's which is what which is what I felt with my dad, no matter what I would do was always nothing was ever good enough. And it was just this constant, I mean, I would walk in to be with him and it was like, he knew he could control me. He knew that he had the power. He knew what to say. I mean, it was just, I mean, it was the highest level of manipulation when I look back on it that I ever could have experienced. And now I look and I say, God, like how did I give him that power?
1: They have a sadistic streak right because they get off they literally get off on making you squirm seeing you sweat they they enjoy yeah. that they get a high on that and so the trick in building leverage is threatening a source of supply that potentially exposes that image and so if you're negotiating with them like because they're you have to in some way whether it's a divorce, a business partnership, maybe it's a boss or you know whatever it is, then you have to look at how can you threaten that source of supply, whether it's coming up with summaries of lies and inconsistent statements, or maybe it's threatening to depose a, 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 a potential witness or whatever it is. Something that's going to have them go, Oh my gosh, I don't want that to happen. So, therefore, I'm going to need to let go of the source of supply, which is manipulating you, so that I have to protect me, this image. Mm. And then that's the leverage. That's how, and then, and then you have to cut that off and then not, you know, deal with them again. Now, if it's a family member, obviously. That's a whole different conversation. There may have to be some kind of very specific types of boundaries that you are going to control and and define going forward. That's a different story. That's leverage. A is anticipate. Anticipate what they're going to do, be two steps ahead of them. Each type of narcissist, covert, passive aggressive, they're one type. Grandiose, a different type malignant, different type. They all act differently in negotiations. You have to be ahead of that. If you know what type you're dealing with, you can anticipate that. You can can be prepared for that. For example, the grandiose narcissist, more likely to file false pleadings, more likely to ignore court orders. The covert passive aggressive narcissist, more likely to line up flying monkeys and act like they are caring about people. That's how they smear people. So they might smear in terms of care. For example, they might say, oh, I am just so worried about Susie and her job performance lately. I'm just, you know, she's just falling down on the job a lot and i I just, I'm just, I'm only mentioning this because I'm just worried about her. You know, she hasn't been up to her usual standards. You know, she's been making a lot of mistakes at work. You know, she might say something like that to other people, and she probably hasn't made any mistakes. Or Mm. somebody might, she might say something like, oh, I'm worried about, Johnny and his drinking, you know, I'm just concerned about him around the children, you know, and probably no trouble with drinking whatsoever, but they say it like in terms of care, like they're such Mm. a good person, and that's how they smear people, (laughs) that sort of thing. Um, You know, they're just more passive aggressive. They show up like they're such good people. Uh, That's a covert Then anticipate that they're going to try to bait you. They're going to try to trigger you. They're going to try to, you know, go go for exactly the types of things that they know are important to you. If they know,
0: let me let let me because this like plays right into this. So imagine me fifteen years old. I'm sitting on the couch, and this is the baiting that you're talking about. So for somebody who's dealing with this, this might be helpful for you to walk through what I maybe should have done, or maybe I handled it the right way, but it got to the point where he would try to bait me. I would engage. And then I realized after a while, like I was giving him what he wanted. So then it got to the point where when I was about 15 years old, he would come home from a day at work. I'm upstairs doing my homework, or whatever I'm doing. And he'd scream and yell, get down here. And I'd tell, I'm like, Oh gosh, here we go again. And I would just sit on the couch and he would scream and yell. I mean, just bury me with just this negative, awful, horrible, painful. Just screaming, and and I would just sit there like this. Mm. And it got to the point I would just would say nothing, mm-hmm. and then he would say, "What is that look on your face? Why are you smirking at me?" And it was like it yeah. was it was almost like, like he was trying to get it out of me, and I would nice. just. Sit And it drove him crazy because I wouldn't give him what he wanted. And then it would just make him angry. And then the rage would just go to the next level. And then finally I would just say, I'm not doing anything. I'm just sitting here. And then he would really get set off. And I just, I never knew how to handle it in that moment. So I thought just being quiet and not doing anything was the way to do it. I I wish I would have known how to negotiate through it better rather than just sitting there.
1: Right. Well, I tell people you always have a right to be respected. You always have a right to be respected. And so step one, don't run. Step two, make a U-turn. Step three, break free. And Mm. so having now the information that I gave you earlier about how their brain works and that sort of thing, the very first step is create a boundary. Create a boundary. And that very first boundary is You have a right to be respected. And so just start looking at them as if they're having a two year old having a tantrum on the floor and just, (laughs) yeah, just start observing their behavior to them. Oh, I can see that you are upset. I can see that you are angry. We can have this discussion when you are calm. Just keep their behavior over there. It has nothing to do with you. I tell people to put an invisible Teflon, invisible uh, boundary down around them and just start to observe their behavior to them because it has nothing to do with you. So I just say, like, be like Superman with the bullets off of you or Wonder Woman with the bullets off of your wrist and just start observing, don't absorb, observe, Mm. don't absorb. Just we can have this discussion later. I can see that you are angry. I can see that you are upset. You know, or sometimes I say you can react with curiosity instead of anger. Oh, that's interesting. Why would you say that? Oh, that that's interesting. Why would you think that? You just observe, don't absorb, or react with curiosity instead of anger. Yeah, the other thing I often say is never jade which i i always say i love jade cuz i'm half chinese so i love jade but i say never jade never justify argue defend or explain just mm. i always say like pretend like you're reporting the news just just the facts so just just the facts because the more you try to justify the more you try to defend the more you try to explain the more you try to argue then you're giving them supply. You're actually down in the mud with them. You're never going to get them to acknowledge you. You're never going to get them to see your side. You're never going to convince them of anything. That is a circular conversation that is going nowhere, Mm -hmm. literally going nowhere. So where do you think you're going with that? You're never going to get them to go, oh, you know, you're right. You've convinced me. It, that conversation's never going to happen. So where do you think you're going with that? Just never date. Just start observing their behavior to them. Observe, don't absorb.
0: All right. So I, I know we'll be hitting our finish line here shortly. So what is the why?
1: Yes. So the why is... You and your mindset. so a hundred percent of your mindset is of winning is your mindset. So if you don't believe you can win, nobody can help you. I tell people that all the time. You could have whoever you want to pick as your personal coach or your personal attorney, whoever you want as your dream team could show up and be your personal whoever. If you don't believe that you can win, or that you're worthy or you're whatever, nobody can help you, okay? I swear to you that this is the truth. You have to believe it. You have to believe it first. Just start visualizing it, start saying it, start knowing it, start being it, and every being of your body, and it will happen. Football teams do not win with a good defense, they win with good offense. You have to know that you have to be on the offense. That's another thing. You have to be offensive. Stop thinking about what's going on on the other side. You know, they're doing this, they're doing that, they're doing this, they're doing that. Work on your side of the equation. You know, I know so many times as a trial lawyer, and I've done thousands of trials. I'm telling you right now, I've won a lot of trials, and I've won a lot of negotiations. Every single time a lawyer would show up in the courtroom and their entire case was how bad we were, they lost. You have Mm. to have a good offense, too. So- just focus on your side. Yeah, you got to know what the other side is going to argue, you got to be ready for that. All of that, of course, too. But know what your position is going to be. And and just focus on your authentic power. Your authentic power. Every time one of my favorite stories in the world is the wizard of Oz because Glinda the good witch, she had authentic power. From the beginning, and if you remember at the beginning of The Wizard of Oz, when when the Wicked Witch came flying around her, she she flicked her away and said, "Go away! You have no power here. That's where you're going. Go away! You have no power here, because that's where you stand if you have authentic, true power." the narcissist will be like a gnat flying around with you because you'll stand in your true power just like we talked about at the beginning of this podcast. When you know who you are and you are living out God's true purpose for who you are as a soul, as a being, for God's truest and highest intention, for your soul living at your highest purpose on this planet, nobody can touch you nobody mm. can touch you
0: this is, this has been so special for me I'm so glad that we called the audible in the middle i I just hope everybody listening it, this goes without saying it, I was so excited because of even in some of your videos some of your videos when you guys watch they're amazing like you don't even say anything it's just you pointing fingers to it's it's amazing how you do things. And I just, I love it, but there's this calmness and like hearing you speak, I can like see you in the courtroom and there's a lot of attorneys who sit behind desks and never get into an actual courtroom. And you are one of the top, you're in the top 1% of attorneys walking the face of the earth. It's amazing what you've done, which now is transformed to helping so many people over 50 million views. Everybody, we're going to make this so easy. We've got a free giveaway for you that we're going to put in our show notes. We have all of the access to make sure you can get your copies of Slay the Bully. Rebecca, you are incredible. I look forward to the opportunity with so many friends. We're probably going to be sharing the same stage at events, whatever it might be. I cannot wait, but I'm just be I'm so grateful be to have so spent this time. You've impacted me. I can't wait to dive even further into ways that uh, I, I can learn more. And I, I appreciate how you brought out in me some of my pain. Even though it's my father's been passed, that hopefully is able to help you know your listeners and 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 the listeners of the burn.
1: Yes, well, thank you, thank you for imparting your wisdom. As I said, you literally coach some of the top performers on the planet, and so I know how lucky and blessed we are to have you here and coaching our listeners as well. So I, I'm so grateful that we did it this way as well. I, I know that this is going to help so many people. And I, I'm really, I i can't wait to meet you in person because I, I just know what a special human being you are. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Ben
0: Newman, for this. Well, thank, thank you, Rebecca. And for each and every single one of you listening, we hope that uh, our ability to call the audible and bring something that I don't think has ever been done. I've never seen it happen where we say, forget the swap. We're just going to roll that. It was an amazing experience and you were able to learn something different for you and empowerment for you. So I appreciate every single one of you that listens to the burn. I'm going to turn it back over to Rebecca. Thank you again for being part of our show and I'm going to let you close it up for us.
1: Yes. Well, Thank you, Ben. This was, I think, one of the most special episodes we've ever done. And I, I really hope that all of you can go back and re-listen to so many of the nuggets that we shared in this and really take some notes and, and really use this to help improve your life, especially now at the beginning of this year, especially what we talked about being your future self. And really applying this and really applying the I am and really be just deciding today that it can be different. That you're, it's never too late to make a change, to make a choice and be who you want to be. It's never the end of the story. Don't ever give your power away to anybody else, ever. Right. So, today is a great day to start negotiating your best life. And I will see you in the next episode.